let's just say if I was a general person who saw one movie a month, right? Which is like, you know, generally for most people, sometimes even less, right? Okay. But if I saw one a month, I would have paid, based off their pricing, about $234, right? So you know I got the membership, which I pay $18 a month for. So $18 a month times, you know, 12 months or whatever is like 240 something or whatever it is like that. So so if I saw one movie a month, it's only 12 movies, right? Since I got the membership September 18th, I've seen 21 movies. Really? So I've already put, yeah. So I've already pretty much paid for the membership times three. So it kind of really worked out for me. I saw nine in December. I saw seven in November. So I've been going a lot <laughs> uh, for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. So and I got some reviews of the day. So. Welcome again to a new year radio for a happy new year podcast. Um, this this part right here, we want to talk about uh, a little bit of pop culture, movies, music, and what's going on, you know, in, in the world today. Uh, just some little, little, little reviews for you and, and thoughts. But I want to crack it right into the um, Drake versus Kanye uh, situation. Now I'm 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 gonna leave this to John because I I've only heard parts of this interview back and forth. But can you kind of explain to the uh, audience what was going on with that situation, John? Because I, I haven't heard it at all, so I'm um, anxious. Basically, uh, Drake had this long, it was about a little it's over about two hours uh, interview with uh, Rap Radar, and uh, they were going off of going off of a lot of topics but the main topic towards the end really was about like would drake ever would want to work with Pusha t or especially uh what drake mentioned himself was kanye being one of his idols like would he ever want to work with him or could he ever see himself mending that relationship and you know regrouping it based off of what he did with meek mill and other people and drake basically was saying he doesn't think that would ever work because he doesn't understand where the issue is coming from when it comes to this whole beef in this agenda what Kanye is looking him looking at him and he feels like Kanye has an issue with himself and whatever issue he has with Drake it's on Kanye, mm. not what Drake is doing. And he feels like Kanye as an individual, it just feels like he's lacking something that Drake has and has to offer to the masses. And Kanye Really? Wow. He actually said that. He didn't say in that sense, but you can tell off of how Drake was wording it. He f basically was dancing around the idea that Kanye is jealous of what Drake has to <laughs> offer. And okay. Which is, uh, you know, somewhat of a valid point because of how Drake is controlling uh, the music industry and Kanye was, in a, to an extent, almost doing that in the past. And with what Drake has amassed with his music, Kanye, for whatever reason, is looking down or taking against what Drake brings to the music the music culture. Okay. And he feel uh, Drake feels like I there's nothing I don't understand why Drake does I mean why Kanye does not like me because I didn't do anything to him. And I honestly feel like Kanye has an issue with himself and I can't fix that. So what was Kanye's problem with Drake initially? Con uh <coughs> Well, let me, before we do that, 
I think what Kanye responded was because I think Drake said because they asked about like uh, I think Elliot mentioned where you know Kanye is doing secular music now. You don't know if he's <laughs> going to go out of that yeah. particular realm and in his, his uh, pastor was, mace phase of life, right? Right, and he his thing was, um, you know, whatever Kanye wants to do, that's all good. But you know, Kanye is going that route. That's all fine and dandy, but. I just don't ever see myself associating with, associating with a person like that. And Kanye responds like, oh, I don't even, the way Kanye responded, it didn't seem like he understood what secular music is or meant based off of his rant, his someone rant he did. Oh, you got it? Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I think Kanye was like, got defensive talking about like, oh, you know, Drake, doesn't control everything and like and he was going off of this point which kind of went away what what drake was saying and kanye got his, in his own way of thinking off of the presentation of what drake was trying to say like listen i just don't i think the main issue is you and kanye was going off like oh you can't control this you don't you're not in charge of everything blah 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 and it was kind of confusing because Kanye wasn't really making much sense because he kind of went against what Drake was obviously alluding to the point of you don't have a what we're beefing about doesn't make sense and I can't I don't think I can ever become friends or work with someone off of something that just doesn't make sense at all mm -hmm. and I don't have an issue with Kanye but Kanye has an issue with me and I don't know what it is only Kanye can answer but I honestly think it's just he's jealous and it's his ego. And out of all the stuff that Drake was saying, because I feel like Drake was fabricating a lot of things, but you know, to, his, to each his own, you can't say certain things out in the light, whatever. But with Kanye, I kind of like see where he was coming at and to an extent, because if you look at their history of like the back and forth, Kanye was basically coming at Drake because of where Drake is at when it comes to success. That makes know, sense. Drake, what Drake does with his numbers and Drake and Kanye were kind of like in the same realm with how they, their, musician, their, their music is positioned in comparison to other rap artists. And a lot of influences of Drake can come from Kanye. And I think Kanye is looking at it as Drake taking his throne in that realm. Interesting, because I feel like two different genres, personally. And I would feel like it's more... Um, not more taking. I think Kanye, if he really wanted the throne, like things he's done in the public is what would have lost him his throne. Uh, whether it was musically, secularly, having the church, the Trump stuff, whatever you want to add to it, where I think um, Drake has just stuck to putting out popular you know, music where Kanye has kind of veered a certain way. So I wouldn't consider it more as taking. I would consider it more as Kanye doing things to himself to kind of give up his quote-unquote well i think to your point at least i don't know like i said i don't know kanye but i think of how kanye responds to kanye thoughts i don't think he looks at it looks at it from that point i think kanye just looks at it as drake is taking my spot and people drake is getting more love than kanye is getting love i mean what was the most streamed artist of the decade right right you know, and, you know, that's got to hurt Kanye's ego. And I, but I think that's not fair to him. I mean, not fair to him. Not. How, and how, that's what Drake was saying. No, well, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is uh -huh. that 
I think Kanye is naive to think he can just do anything. Well, it's Kanye. Yeah, but I mean, he's naive to think I can just do anything mm-hmm. and still remain in that light. But he's done that. Huh? This is congruent with his brand. Like we, like I made the comparison with the whole Lizzo antics. Kanye has Kanye antics. has a Kanye has it to where it's like, you know, people like I like old Ye and new Ye. Yeah, right? two there's two different Ye's. I love old Kanye. Right. So, but in his mind, he thinks it's one Ye. Right, it's all one yay. Mm-hmm. So, with to your point, he feel like Drake took his throne from one yay, but Drake didn't take his throne from one yay. Mm-hmm. When an old yay left, the throne became open. Mm-hmm. But if yay would stay who he was, he would never lost the throne. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's kind of like he's naive to think people who liked college dropout mm-hmm. are the same people who going like, you know, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's a, these are. These are too far. Jesus. Yeah, these are like too far different types of albums or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So where Drake is kind of on the same, same you know, same path, on the so same path. Kanye, so. you know, his first three albums were like hip hop, hip hop, and then after album when it went hit, once he hit album four and so on, it kind of just veered off into just experimental sounds and right, <laughs> which uh, you know a lot of people would applaud him for. But then others who want that consistency in what Kanye has to offer and what they love are looking at like, what is this? This is crazy. I can't listen to that. Right. And you got to remember, going back, Kanye had to break in initially because he was, you know, the kid in the backpack, you know, who who made beats and wasn't a quote unquote gangster, didn't sell drugs, you know, and wasn't traditionally with rap offers. So he already had to break in. And then he got accepted by true rap or hip hop heads. So then when he veered left, they're like, yo, what the, you know what I mean? What are you doing, bro? Um, he does have an audience, you know, of course. He's got millions and millions of fans. Some who just like anything he does. Some who like the new Kanye. Better than old Kanye. They're like, yo, I don't know what he used to do, but I like this new stuff right here. But I would say for the majority of Kanye's career, people had a problem with his personality. It's always been the personality. Oh, he makes amazing music. But he's a he's an a hole, right? I think I think yeah oh yeah so, yes the majority yes I think and I think I think it was it's weird it's kind of like the bait and switch thing which you talk about right he came out as this humble guy who had to survive this car accident and through the wire he showed himself sipping through a straw and 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 talking about how hard it was he rapped literally through a wire you know what I mean through you know his jaw being broken and then he got songs like Jesus Walk so you think he's just this humble uh cool dude but then he kind of started showing his true self as time went along money will do that to you money will, will definitely do that and to sure you. enough fame will too yeah and then his choices of women especially from our culture right oh there goes that selective morality again. Right. But you do know it, ca- it has caused him some backlash. Which is interesting considering now our culture is trying to keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> That's a good play on words. You, you see what I did there. Yeah, right? I <laughs> but, um, you know, but not before, before that was Amber Rose, you know, and now it's Kim Kardashian. So, but before that, it was his college, uh, college sweetheart. You know what I mean? So who knows what happened to her? She was on Dynasty time before. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. So. Also, what's the name? The the one model, oh, the model. Salida Ebanks? Not nah. Salida. Uh, who's the one? He, he he engaged with the brown skin one. Yeah, she. Who's uh, the model? Yeah, I don't remember. I forget her name, but yeah, she was pretty. Though. Yeah, I don't know what Salida. Though. Salida was the one with the cannon before. Yeah, that was not her name. I, yeah, <laughs> Josh, you butchered it. But I know what you're talking about. Well, no, <laughs> two different models, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one he was like engaged with before Amber Rose. 
Like where everybody thought he was good. Everybody liked him together or whatever. The one who was college sweetheart, right? Uh, I don't know who was the one he said she had Delta, so she been throwing that dynasty sign. The one, the one that that girl or whatever could have been her. The one on the song he says, "I told my girl's father before he died, I'm gonna marry your daughter." That that girl from college dropout. Right. I'm talking about that girl. Okay. Whatever. I don't know what happened to her, but the fame will do that to you. Well, yeah. I didn't. I knew they weren't gonna stay together. Even though he told his dad, "I'm gonna marry her," on her deathbed. Whatever, <laughs> but that's not it. You know. Again, even at that young, was a high school age. I, I no, know. that was like that was like right after. It's, it's, you know, no, nah, that was that was on the first album. I know he was a high school age. He was like I was. I said I was. Oh, a, you were high school. Okay, oh, yeah. right. So I, I knew he wasn't gonna stay with her. I was like, come on, yeah, <laughs> you ain't you ain't staying with her. You you just getting you just getting the taste now. Right, the fame. Once you yeah, the fame changes, fame changes of all. Um, the Drake thing though, I, I think it's got more to do with. I mean that too. We're probably also, I guess, Jay taking the side of um, push and whatnot. And wasn't a thing well, that that's Ye- his artist though. Was the thing that Jay leaked the information about the baby? I guess. Yeah, I think. He, he, I mean, to, he uh, leaked to it. push. He get, yeah. yeah. Well, they said there was more to it because push said um, forty alluded to some of that information, and Drake got mad at forty because of what he said. Well, I do know. Um, you know, I, the interview I thought was decent because you never Drake don't really interview at all, which I thought was 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 good. And the one thing I don't like about Drake is that um, he's very smart and calculated, but he's not as almost always forthcoming. So I'm happy to finally have an interview, and he picks and chooses where he will interview at because he don't really want the tar the hard, tough hitting questions. And that might, might that might not be just Drake, but even just. Um, uh, artists today, or whatever, because I think it's weird. Because um, and I hate to go somewhere else. We can talk about this. It's also pop culture. Did you see Kevin Hart's newest documentary on I, Netflix? I saw the bits and pieces on IGTV. Okay, well, I watched the whole thing. Literally my part, right? Like a half hour each and whatnot. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you still had time to finish the book, huh? Still had time to finish the book. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. I was I was laying watching Kevin Hart. <laughs> Anyway, but um, but um, it's like nine parts of what he said because you know he, he keeps getting kind of last few years he went from being like America's miniature sweetheart to keep getting in trouble for different things. First it was to cheat on his wife, right? And, and then, then cheat on the new wife. Cheat on the new wife. <laughs> and then it was the whole thing what we supposed to the Oscars when it came out that he had the homophobic comments from his Twitter which were ten years old or whatever, and. Do you remember what the comments were? He was saying, um, you probably can find it, but he All was right. saying, if my son ever was to tell me he was gay, this is what I would do. Stuff like that. But he was also saying, um, as a comedian, you know, in 2010, making jokes as well. The culture wasn't in 2010 what it was today. Sure ain't. And, you know. So he's taking it out of context. This is ridiculous. Either way, because that happened, his initial, um, um, comments about it were like I've already responded to this I'm not gonna I apologize for if I made you feel a certain way but at the time I was a young comedian just making Twitter comments so I don't apologize for what I did but I apologize for how I made you feel well they didn't like that apology and <laughs> they did not right so if you watch the documentary it goes mm. behind the scenes of what was going on and it shows his um, <clears throat> his publicist and all those stuff some of the stuff having to shut up but she said and it's crazy because the publicist and the people behind him said, Kevin loves to be loved. Like, he needs that. He needs people to love him. So when people are 
going against him right now. He feels like I gotta keep saying something to get the love back. And they were saying, just let it blow over. And he kept saying stuff and kept getting worse, right? But then he went on Ellen, and Ellen forgave him. But then people were like, Ellen, you're not speaking for the whole homophobic, you know, society. So because you forgive him, I mean, we have to forgive him. But anyway, I say this to say, at the end of it, he was saying, it's crazy that in this society, you have to be perfect. You can't do anything wrong. And you can't have any missteps whatsoever before you can either cancel, lose money, backlash, you know, whatever. Full circle to Bill Cosby and LeBron James, right? Full circle. And I think Drake, coming back to that, I think that's why he makes sure he picks and chooses who he interviews with, when he interviews, what he will say. His interviews always, I mean, I love love Drake, but his interviews, you could tell they're all, like, crafted. Crafted. Scripted. Even with the LeBron thing, you know. That whole interview was garbage. They got a list of questions. Did you see the interview with, the, the, with Chris Bosh? No, it was LeBron well, and um, his that. boy, huh? In the, in the in the barbershop, yeah, the yeah. barbershop series he has, yeah. and then he had Drake on there. You know, this is when LeBron called himself the rap connoisseur, yeah. the self-proclaimed rap connoisseur of music, which he got a lot of backlash for. Like, who gave you that type? But whatever. Well, himself. Well, yeah. just like King James. Like King James. <laughs> yeah, people can. I think people would agree with King James in comparison to. The rap connoisseur of music. I mean, his best friend is Jay Z, so. I'm gonna make you a connoisseur, but I, I, I think, I think it might. But I, I, I think when he when he interviewed him, hence off of the Pusha T, Mm -hmm. and that was like the majority of the conversation, and like with the kid and all that, and Drake was showing pictures of his kid, not to the the network, but to LeBron and his boy that helps him do the talk or whatever. The whole interview just didn't seem like it was real questions for you to actually get an idea of like behind Drake and what's going on. They were all calculated questions, and if I, in my opinion, I don't think they were um, done efficiently because it, it it did. It's just like he was answering things, but it didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like they were actually genuine. Yeah, that's why I don't like him. You know, and it just seemed fabricated. He won't go on Hot ninety seven or Breakfast Club. He won't go because he knows like they're going to ask. They're going to ask. They may they may filter some questions, but they're going to ask some questions that Drake is not going to answer. Right, and he doesn't have to do that because of who he is. But being a consumer, being involved with Drake. It just kind of tells you like there's probably things in the background that Drake does. Well, obviously he, that he does, and that are not actually you know put out in the in the forefront. Oh yeah. But because of that, he's going to be selective off of who he's going to interview and who's going to question him because he's not going to answer those questions. And I think that's kind of sad because you don't really get to know your favorite artists. You just get the idea. Of your favorite artist, yeah. I, I think that just takes away from the artist. But I don't think it's all his fault. It goes back to what I said earlier. I think because, like Kevin said, and right, Kevin, yeah, people are gonna look down on you because in this society you have to be perfect. Where like even our artists, like Jay Z, is like Drake now, or or whoever. He's not gonna do it either. Like have those selective interviews. But Jay Z wasn't always like that because society wasn't always like this. So we've had some insight from Jay Z. And he ain't gonna have anyone taking videos nah, of his wife was, either. Jay Z didn't talk about certain things. Jay Z. Nah, you gotta go to like 90s Jay Z. I mean, if you, but if you go in his interviews, Jay Z interviewed everywhere though. Yeah, but he also didn't say, he also didn't say much either. That's because of his old drug dealer mentality. 
Right. They don't have nothing to say a lot. But I mean, he didn't shy away from anybody. Right. Where now he will. You know what I mean? Or now he, you know, he won't. Now you got to go to 30 people to even get to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Now, but before they could get, like, before, like, let's say, like, Rockefeller earlier, they could have called Jay-Z. You, nobody's calling Jay-Z now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just a different thing where I think Drake came up in a world where, you know, he he, he is that way. And But like I said, not just him. Most artists are that way where they're not as open because they're scared of the backlash. Or they just... Well, they just can't talk. A lot of these artists cannot hold conversations at all. I mean, that too, but they're also scared of the backlash, what they're going to mm-hmm. get once they do an interview. Look at Soulja Boy interview on Breakfast Club. How many memes did that, did that, did that, did that spawn right but, away? Him just being himself, literally. You know what I mean? Or, or, or. or but or, I think going back to Soldier Boy, going off of, uh, what's that show that Complex has with DJ Academics and that girl? Oh, I didn't come off of yours. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but Joe Budden used to be on it. And to to an extent, it kind of pushed the agenda of where media goes for like clickbait, and like they don't actually care about what you have to offer or say. Because no. I remember, so they were asking about Soldier Boy, and I think one of the topics was like, "Why would you talk about all these businesses? Who wants to hear about that?" And Soldier Boy was like, "What do you mean? I'm a young black man, yeah. and you're questioning why I want to open multiple businesses, like." where they do that at yeah right and she was like oh no and Majeska I think her name was and he was going back and forth like so you want me to do something else something negative or I'm only supposed to do one thing yeah he's they want him to coon that's what it is and he put him he he put him on blast and they got a lot of backlash because like okay you're not you're not really asking questions to you know champion what Soldier Boy's doing you're just trying to embarrass him or mock him back to like Kev right so that documentary is nine parts. Have you seen the one on Netflix? I, I didn't watch it yet. What about so, his family? Yeah, the whole thing. Nine parts. There's one part of the nine where they talk about the cheating scandal with the new wife. There's a 30-second snippet of where she talks about how she found out from DMs from her friends and that she, you know, right away she was outraged and upset. That 30 seconds, or whatever it's called, a minute, of this nine-part documentary, they put on the shade room, and that's where all everyone's talking about the whole documentary, right? You know, yeah, girl, you should have left. Um, it's crazy how you found out. Damn, Kevin, that was fucked up. Blah blah blah. that, and he tweeted the shade room. I mean, I tweeted. He, he, he commented. He said, "Yo, it's a shame that there's so much good insight and so much heartfelt stuff in the whole documentary, and that's the part y'all chose to put up." Or whatever. Like but that. that's the shades room. That's their business model. I know. I know it, it, it is their business model, but it goes back to the society that we live in, or whatever. We can take, let's say, uh, four hundred minutes of comments and take a minute of it and make that story. Yeah, and taking it out of context, so that's what the media does. That's what, what they do. And I actually have to give a uh, a shout out and an R.I.P. to David Stern. Literally just died. What? At seventy-seven, he had a brain hemorrhage on the twelfth of December. And I, I guess that. complications from the surgery he just passed. Yeah, oh, damn. Shout out to R.P. David Stern, who did a lot for the NBA. Made it a multi-billion dollar multi-billion business. Multi-billion dollar business. With a lot of help from Michael Jordan and, you know, a lot of the players. But, yeah, his business savvy definitely helped a lot. Um, and also Bird and Magic and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he implemented a lot of rules that are today, so that he'll definitely be missed. And, um, you know, I guess he... Um, Oh, look at the left with Adam Adam Silver, right? Who's uh, who's doing a good job himself, 
and um, so that was a Drake and um, and Kanye and just a society, and um, and, uh, and she didn't say anything right about the whole Lizzo thing. We'll say that for the next one, the girl. Right, she'll uh, she'll give her retort soon, but apparently. Uh, we were unbearable to listen to. Okay, which we'll is find out more which about is interesting. That. I I I needed details, but she you know she didn't give details yet. Yeah, the last thing on the pop culture thing that I was talking about earlier about the movies I've seen. So, um, I've seen a few good ones in the last few weeks. Um, and uh, one to kind of going back. I haven't done reviews in a while. So Did that movie the movie with the weekend come out? Uncut Gems. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's my. It's good, right? Sandler, he get he got to get an Oscar, Oscar right? Oscar buzz. KG is actually a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Man. How was he? He was good. He was uh. really, really good. I mean, he's playing a a fictional version of himself, right? But the movie's good. Um, it takes place in a diamond district in New York City. I don't know if you guys have been there before, right. And whatnot. But um, if you know that that district, there's jewelry stores every two steps you walk at. And that's where a lot of athletes go to get their diamonds and stuff like that. And it takes place in... Um, Jacob's Jewelers, right? What? Jacob's, yeah, Jacob's there too. Yeah, Jacob's there. And um, takes place in like 2012, so when KG was still in Boston. That's the, uh, the setting for the um, for the movie. All right. Um, when they played the Sixers in the first round, actually, that, that one series and whatnot. So. so he was actually on the Celtics? Yeah. Cage himself is yeah. So he's not a so he's an actual version of himself. Not well, it's fictional. Well, it's weird. It's like they, 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 they show him during the series, like him them watching him play, but then the interviews he gives post game are fake. Right, right, right. You see what I'm saying? They're, yeah. they're like put in for right now and whatnot. He's like giving a shout out to Adam Sandler's character. You know what I'm saying? Stuff, stuff like that, that makes sense. That's yeah. very clever. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty clever and stuff like that. So uh, our our guy Lakeith Stanfield's in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing his thing all over the place right now. He's, he, he's a true talent. Two you know, Oscar nominated type movies. This yeah, year. He, he's that's dope. That's a work. So, um, he's a real, real talented. Yeah, yeah. So very interesting guy. But with Adam Sandler playing the um, oh my God, Josh, what is this girl's name? Um, the girl who plays the love interest of Adam Sandler in the movie. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got to find her. But anyway, what um, Adam Sandler um. I'm playing the, the drama role. It's good. He mm-hmm. needs to make more movies like this. Like, he's really, really good in the movie. Um, he was a, uh, a gambling addict. So he, um, you know, would take these, um, you know, all, all kind of bets he owed to different dudes all over the city. And he found this uncut gem. Uncut gem meaning he came straight from Africa, mm-hmm. straight from the mines in Africa, untouched. So this sounds untouched. like a movie that was out a couple years ago. Um, um. And, um, what, Blood Diamond? No, not Blood Diamond. Um, Blood Diamond was great. I can't um, remember. It was a gambling movie. I can't remember. Idina Menzel? No. no, no Julia Fox? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Let's <laughs> see her in this movie. Um, so, uh, so in the, um, I won't give away the whole movie, but KG wants the uncut gem. He thinks he like good luck from him while he's playing the games. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is more about performance-wise. The, the story was only okay, but Adam Sandler was just really, really good in the whole movie, and the movie's fast-paced, and it's definitely in my top ten of the year. Um, okay. Also, I saw um, uh, Dark Waters, which is really what I was talking about because we were talking about the health situation earlier. So I wanted to get to that while, uh, while Shido 5 was still here. But Dark Waters, it has Mark Ruffalo outside of the MCU, <laughs> actually, starting the movie. Uh, it's another topic we talked about before, but 
really, really good movie, and I was happy to see Ruffalo stretch his legs outside of the MCU for the first time in a long time. And it's a true story, and it's about uh, the 90s and, I mean, late, late 90s, and how this, this lawyer who's working in um, Ohio, he gets a visit from these, uh, this old guy from, um, from uh, West Virginia, and apparently all, all his 90 cows have died on his farm, and he don't know why. And the old guy knows uh, Mark Ruffalo's grandmother. Mark Ruffalo grew up out there, so she says, "Go see my, go see my fancy lawyer grandson in Ohio." So the guy drives over to Ohio, tells him, "Watch these videos. Watch my cows. They're all dead. They all have black teeth. They all rotted from the inside. Uh, some were manic and charging me. All types of stuff. Dark waters, right?" So he finally goes down there to check it out, and it turns out um, that. In the 50s, again, this is a true story. In the 50s, the um, the material that they used to kind of shield and um, uh, army tanks, Teflon, right, which we wound up putting on our pots and pans later on, mm-hmm. right. So part of that material, um, when it can't use it no more, and they, you know the um, the liquid form of it, they dumped it into all these lakes and and and, and ponds and. Stuff like that. They didn't have no, no, no hazardous waste, nothing, nothing to do with it. And eventually, over time, it got to the guy's farm, got to the guy's family. Also, people throughout this town were dying from cancer all of a sudden, right? This, again, it's a true story. So, as Ruffalo's doing his research, and he finds out the chemical is Teflon, and then it's used for plastics, pots and pans, all types of different stuff. Right, so this another health warning. If your pots and pans are starting to fall apart, that means the Teflon is falling apart, so you should throw it out. Exactly. Because this might happen. Exactly. Um, and, that's, and, that, and that's a true story. And it turns out that because these have been made for 50 years now, pretty much we all have it in our bodies now, you know, between the Teflon, the plastics, and stuff used to clean carpets over the years. Like all types of stuff you never would believe but anyway, for Ruffalo's part, um, this town has so many people. Um, you gotta be kidding me, Mike! You gotta be looking at these things. Did it die? Yes. Well, we have no idea when. Did it keep going? I won't keep going. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, is your mic on? So, on dark waters, <laughs> this town has so many. Um, People dying. He decided to represent the whole town, and um, going against it, a huge. So this, this movie, the, the point or the premise of it is based off of. Is based off. Came from not or? really. It's based off of this small town, uh-huh. and the corporation um, who makes the stuff, kind of stepping on them. So they were putting out false health reports, putting out false. Oh, okay. um, um, reports that everything was okay when it wasn't and people were dying they were literally dying and 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 he decided to represent them so he decided to get the whole he he he, he uh staged a um a effort through the supreme court wherever it was to get the whole town health screenings mm-hmm. so it turned out like 3500 of them either had stage 1 cancer or had you know uh things that know the cancer was coming from living there, just drinking the water, so it's called dark waters mm-hmm. and stuff like that in this town. So this is based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. So it went. For, you can look it up. So it, again, it's called Dark Waters. So it went further and further and further because of course they're gonna fight, fight, fight even after that. Mm-hmm. But eventually, um, it's crazy that 
um, so many of them, you know, really died or whatever, but he did get them like hundreds of millions of dollars the whole town eventually. But he's in it. Uh, who's the girl who plays Catwoman in um, Anne Hathaway? Anne Hathaway. Uh, she has love, love Anne Hathaway. Uh, she has a good role in it. Um, a few other. Uh, what's, what's the one guy I can't think of? You know, she was a guy in Shawshank Redemption. You know, anyway. Um, uh, uh, so oh, Tim Robbins, he's also in it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and Victor Garber. Yeah. So I don't know who that is, but but nevertheless, that's a good one. I would say, but not not great. Just good. For more, for more for me, like I said to Josh, I like seeing Ruffalo act outside of playing the Hawk or Bruce Banner because I've seen it a long time. So who got the Oscar nod in Knives Out? Was it Chris Evans? Nope. That's going to get an ensemble nod. Oh, okay. Because it's more of an ensemble. Daniel Craig and Tree. Huh? Daniel Craig as well, right? Yeah, but he'll probably – they're going to make that into like a franchise where they'll have Ryan Johnson and Craig continue doing different types of um, murder mysteries. And whatnot, you know, because that those they work well together, and that character, that Craig character, is so good. So maybe the next family, you know, be a different family, but he'll still play that same kind of detective, you know, Southern with the Southern draw that he plays. So, huh. Okay. Yeah, it was very very small budget, made over hundred million dollars. So you know, it's um, same thing with Uncut Gems, right? Same thing with Uncut Gems, which would be good for Sandler. Then the last one I saw, also based on a true story, was Richard Jewell. Um, about the bombing that took place uh, in... Um, I thought he was about to say Rise of Skywalker. Like, that's not based on a true story. No. Um, Rise of Skywalker was saving for our mental theater uh, <laughs> uh, review, but um, but I, it was a C plus. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, Richard Jewell um, was about the bombing <laughs> that took place at the Atlanta Olympics. I was at the Atlanta Olympics actually, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, like I, I, I have family down there, so I went down there and checked and checked that out and whatnot. So um, I remember that because uh, you know it's barely in the United States the Olympics, so uh, I want to check it out. But there was a bombing on the uh, one of the concert halls, and the guy Richard Jewell he found the bomb. You see the previews of the movie, and just like anything else, if you're the guy who finds the bomb, you're the prime suspect, which sucks by the way. Because wait, why is that? Because. Um, and they talk about in the movie, there's this uh, uh, FBI profiles you as the the hero. I mean, as the um, like the uh, the villain hero. Like you wanted to get notoriety, so you're the one who planted it. Yeah, and you're the one who found it or whatever. So apparently, that's what happened in Oklahoma City bombs before that. But nevertheless, so 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 the profile is that you're the first suspect because they're looking at how did you know exactly where it was at. Or whatever it is. Problem with that, though, it makes a security guard or a random person who might stumble upon a backpack like, I'm gone. I ain't telling nobody nothing. Right. <laughs> because, you know what? But we have all this ever since, what, 9-11, right? If you right. see something, say something. Right. So now people ain't going to say nothing now. <laughs> but, it's, I mean, it's a shame that they do it this way. I agree with you and whatnot. But now, would you say something if you're going to become the prime suspect? Well, again, I, you know. If I guess who are you gonna call first? You probably most people don't have the number for the FBI, so you're right. gonna pro- call the local PD. Right. So even if the FBI brings you in, they can go. To me, I feel like they can go and check all of our history. You don't have any experience with explosive devices. Right. So it, it's gonna be one of those things. You might be able to counter sue for damages. Right. You know, or right. defamation of character. It's, I don't know. But doing that is, in a sense, kind of dangerous because. If you're 
let's say you sue the FBI or the police department with um, entities with that much power. Mm -hmm. And that's why even when people go into these like civil lawsuits or these cases of color or whatever that they deal with uh, people like that in the office or who are uh, or officer or whatever, you get backlash from that department. Let's say you win or you're in the process of winning. They do if you live in that town or that area, they'll do they'll do every, anything and everything to ruin you. With examples like um, what's that show that was on Netflix, uh, Making a Murderer? Oh yeah, yeah. And how you, I didn't watch the second part, but the first part where they basically framed the guy because the guy um, I don't know if it was his second cousin or she was a family member of some sort, and her husband had to be happened to be the uh, sheriff of the uh, community that he was living in. And she didn't like him. So they basically framed a rape case wow. on him when the rapist was still out and about doing things. And they'd be in jail for all these amount of years. And eventually, they found the real rapist, or the rapist came up, came front, and they had the DNA to prove that this was the person. Then he ends up trying to sue, where it came like a, a world, like a, a known thing. It was on the news. People were like more... People were involved, and he was actually going to win several millions of dollars from Wisconsin, I think it was. And then they framed him from something else, and he didn't have any money. He didn't have any money, so he had to settle to get a lower amount of money, so he can have enough money to buy to pay for lawyers for the other case that they tried to frame him for. That's what they always say. Or even with um, Matt Barnes, when he had an issue in L.A., because all the the cops out there would always like um, come at him and stereotyping all that other stuff just because of what he was and him being a, a person of color. Right. And he was thinking of uh, suing for an incident that happened until somebody came up to him and was like, yo, that's not a good idea. It's not a good look. You live here. They can really mess your life up. And then he was like, you know what? Let me just not do it because it's not worth all the extra backlash that could happen. So it's like, you got to be, it's like, you got to be careful, but then it's like, what do you do because if you do fight back for that, these people who have all this power are going to like dismantle you and make your life even more worse, far worse mm. than what happened prior. That's true. Yeah, and in the movie, um, it's uh, Olivia Wilde, who's I love Olivia Wilde, um, John Hamm and Sam Rockwell, but um, and also Kathy Bates, who plays his mother, who plays an excellent role might get nominated herself but in the movie to your point he was a former cop um who was dismissed from the sheriff's office and became a security guard so that police background also helped him help them build the case to make him a suspect you know because he knew about some explosives also he lived in um uh georgia right so he had you know, tons of weapons in his bedroom, even though they were legal weapons, because he lives. He does a lot of hunting or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. He had tons of weapons, so that that didn't look good for him. Stuff like that. So, um, and that's, also that's terrible police work. It was, but what happened was when they made him a suspect. Here's a here's a kicker. Here's where it goes towards today, right? So when the FBI agent made when I'm an agent, but when the agency made him a suspect, he was just a uh, person of interest, right? Right. The reporter, Olivia Wilde character, trying to get the story, right, from the Atlanta Sun Journal or whatever it is, she goes to the bar where the FBI agent is. She flirts with him, tells him if he gives him the information, 
gives his generation, it will be the best night of his life. He falls for what it. What a sucker. And tells him they're looking at Richard, who found the bomb. She prints the next day, hero, question mark, um, 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 hero and bombing, prime FBI suspect. His life changed immediately. Defamation. Right. So now the FBI have to bring him in for questioning, even before he was just a person of interest, because now she got him plastered on the front on the front news or whatever like that. So um, now he walks out of his house. There's tons of of, of reporters, Yo. all this type of stuff. Um, they, they they bring him in, and then they try to get him to sign um, saying that he refuses the law, lawyer or stuff like that, like sneakily, because he's thinking, you know, I don't know why I'm here for this. I thought I was a hero or whatever. It's not. He calls the lawyer right away though, and the lawyer's gonna say nothing else. Just leave because you only you're not you're not you're not arrested at all. Because you're questioning, so he leaves. And um, but after that, they start coming to his house. He lives with his mother, by the way. But they start coming to his house. His elderly mother, like she's getting sicker because all this is going on. They raid his house. They take they take everything down to the Tupperware. So they're looking for you know bomb making material and stuff like that. So they take everything. They're constantly following him, following his mother. Uh, they brought his friend because so then they realized that. He couldn't have been the guy who made the phone call to 911 saying there's a bomb if he found a bomb. He can only take 60 seconds at least to get to the phone here. doesn't make any sense. Then he brought one of his friends in from childhood and tried to paint a picture and said the friend was his gay lover and he helped him with the whole thing or whatever. This is the FBI trying to paint the picture. Yeah, it's crazy and whatnot. And look back at the kid when he was 10 years old. Uh, got in trouble for throwing like smoke bombs or something like that, you know, like a school bathroom or whatever, you know, cherry bombs, whatever it was, stuff like that. And I'm trying to connect that to a guy who's 30 something years old now being a bomber, which is it's just crazy. Well, when you hear things like this, it's, it's, it makes sense why 9 11 happened. If this is the type of work the FBI are doing, this is ridiculous. It also, but it also, it's crazy because in that, so this, so this whole thing was 88 days long, right? His world was upside down by one article posted by one journalist in a newspaper. It makes you think how much power society has on someone's life. Imagine that being today, it's 1996. Imagine today with social media, with uh, online, all the different avenues. He might have killed himself because he wouldn't be able to leave a house today. Even then, reporters were hanging outside of his house, stuff like that. So it's just crazy how much power we can have over people's lives. And before it was just the media themselves. Now it's the media and me, you, John. We can be the person on Twitter like, yeah, this guy's definitely the bomber. I used to see him outside with chemicals, you know, anything <laughs> or whatever. And it's, and it, but it's true, right? And it's a shame that that's how society is now. And you see just a small fraction of it then. But it was a good movie. And eventually he was, um, I guess, exonerated because they realized that it really couldn't have been him. And they really had no actual evidence and whatnot. You know, to say it was him. And I think uh, maybe six years later, 2002, the actual bomber got arrested for something else. And he came forward and he, and he, and he detailed the bomb, you know, the call, the whole thing. How many people died in that bomber? I think... Um, I think 110 were hurt, and maybe like eight or 10 died. Wow. Something like that, yeah. And that's what he said. He said, you're looking at me, but the real bomber is still out here. I just did my job. Because he was a, you know, he was one of those security guards who was a cop who was like, you know, I thought he was a cop still. 
basically. And that also didn't like make him look good because it made him look like you want to be a cop so bad that you want to show yourself you were a hero, stuff like that. So, what <laughs> terrible police work. It, it was. It was definitely terrible police work, you know. But that's what's happening now. Yeah, right? I agree. People getting pulled over for no reason, without any cause, and then you making up stuff. Yeah. And then we have what? Cops on on body cameras planting evidence. Yeah. On, with with a body camera activated. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's what I saw. And it just made me think, like, yo, it's so crazy. Going all the way back, right? It's a Kevin Hart and Drake, the whole nine. You've really got to be perfect in a society because one misstep, and who knows where, how it could change your life and whatnot. And it's a shame, you know, that that's, that's got to be that way, you know. And for somebody like Drake, who's an artist, or Kevin, who's a comedian, it really, really sucks to me because I don't feel like we can get authentic versions of them because they're so scared of how to move. Like Kevin, his comedy can't be like Eddie Murphy's comedy back in the day or even Martin's comedy in the 90s because a certain thing he says about a certain group of people and it's canceled and whatnot. And that's a shame. It's got to be harder to be you know, in, in those realms. Even what we do, you know, whatever, you know, it, you got to be very, 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 very careful and whatnot. So I guess you just got to move the way it moves. But, um, those are my movies, and I guess that's our our our, our podcast for our pop culture. And uh, you should be getting two or three podcasts out soon. We appreciate all of our listeners. Again, Happy New Year. We'll have another show for you in a couple weeks. And thanks for listening to A New Year Radio. Whatever that was. Whatever that was.